today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. Give us ears to hear your truth and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw. Jesus, while he was on earth, continually spoke to his disciples about the fact that he was going to come again. But he also told them in Matthew 24, he says, But of that day and of that hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor even the Son, but only the Father. Jesus was telling them that he was coming and that his coming was probably going to be sooner than what they thought, than what they would expect. And again, that's a very good reason for you and I today to be living our lives with that expectation. Jesus said that he would return to earth someday, but nobody would be able to predict the exact timing of his second coming. In today's message, Pastor David warns against the date setters who claim to have special knowledge to be able to predict when Christ will come for his people. The word is clear that date setting is impossible. Pastor David also teaches us that though we cannot know the exact day and hour, we can know the general season of Jesus' return based on biblical prophecy. And here's Pastor David with part one of his message, The End of All Things, from the book of 1 Peter, chapter 4. saw a message on Facebook about a Pew Research Council study. And the study was for Christians only. And the study or the question that they asked these Christians is, as a Christian, do you believe that Jesus Christ is going to come again within, say, the next 40 years? Within the next 40 years. Now, if you would think about that as you ask Christians this question, not the world, but Christians, people that say that they believe this word to be the word of God, that trust and hope in, again, the the comfort and the knowledge, the, the good news that Christ is coming again. The reality of asking that question to Christians was less than 50% believed that he was coming again sometime within the next 40 years. As a matter of fact, about a quarter of those, about 27%, said, yes, I definitely believe that Jesus Christ is coming within the next 40 years. I believe that he can come at any moment at any time. I believe that first, and I, and I, I am unabashedly am a rapture uh, person. I, I believe that the rapture of the church is going to happen first because I believe the word of God says that you and I as believers, that we are not destined for the wrath of God that's going to be poured out upon this earth at that time. How God is going to do all of these things, oh, we could go into that, but you don't have time this morning, and that's not where we're going this morning. But I do believe that the Lord is going to take the church out before the worst of the worst happens. Now, that doesn't mean that it can't get worse than what it's at right now. 
And if the Lord actually goes to that 39th year or that 40th year, I believe it's going to get a lot worse than where it's at right now. All we have to do is see the changes from the 1960s and the 1970s to where we're at now and see, and I believe exponentially, that it's changing for the Christian world, particularly in this nation. It's interesting that the the highest rate of evangelicalism, the, the highest move uh, if, of the Spirit of God right now is not happening in the United States. It's actually happening in South Korea. South Korea is sending out more missionaries today than all of the United States. Now, you got to stop and think how far we have fallen from that. First Peter chapter 4, verse 7. Peter writes these words to the church. He's writing to a persecuted church. I want to I bring that out to you. He's writing to a church that already is facing persecution for their belief in Christ. And so he's writing to encourage them in the place that they're in. But he writes true words to them. He says in verse 7, But the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be serious and watchful in your prayers. Be serious and watchful. Paul gives a very clear warning, a very clear admonition to the church at this point in time. He says, the end of all things is at hand. And I can tell you this morning, I I believe that that's as true as it was then. It's even more true today. And I believe that as we share this morning, hopefully you'll, you'll see that we can actually see signs of those events happening. When we look back at the first century church, this whole concept of the end times and the last days, really and truly for them, it was utmost on their mind. They believed that Jesus was coming back any day. He told the disciples in that upper room, he says, hey, I'm going up to prepare a place for you, but don't worry. If I'm going up to prepare a place, I'm going to come again and I'm going to receive you unto myself that where I am, there you will be always. And so as Jesus ascended into the heavens, I believe at that very moment, they kept look, they kept looking. The reason they kept looking up and the angels had to say, hey, you know, come on, get about the business, do what he's told you to do. They were waiting for him to come right back down. Any time now. But you know what? The first century turned into the second century. Second century turned into the third century, third century and on until now we're in the 21st century. And a lot of people have lost that eminence of the return of Christ. They've lost a lot of that passion for the return of Christ. I remember back in the 70s when we were really, that's really when I, not only did I really start growing in my uh, faith in Christ, but actually really involved in, in, in the work of the church and just in the ministry. And when my wife and I were first married, true story, we just said, why buy a house? The Lord is coming at any time. And that was our mindset back in the 70s. If you'll remember, it was the late 60s, early 70s that the Jesus movement was going. And, and there was a spiritual revival that was going, not just with the hippies and, and, and the beach bums of, of Southern California, but I believe all over this country, there was a stirring, there was a moving of the Spirit of God. And in many churches, there was this anxious anticipation. Wow, just any day now. Any day. I can remember in 1982, I believe it was, someone came out with the book, 82 Reasons Why the Lord Will Come Back in 1982. The next year, he put it out in a bridged version, uh, 83 Reasons Why. That, that, was, that was kind of the hope. That was the anticipation. 
Jesus, while he was on earth, continually spoke to his disciples about the fact that he was going to come again. But he also told him in Matthew 24, he says, but of that day and of that hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor even the son, but only the father. Jesus was telling them that he was coming and that his coming was probably going to be sooner than what they thought, than what they would expect. And again, that's a very good reason for you and I today to be living our lives with that expectation. Wow, the Lord could come today. The sad reality is for many of the church today, they don't live that way. They don't even think that way. It's not even within the scope of their thoughts that, wow, the Lord could come today. We've missed that, and yet the word says that by that very declaration, by that very understanding, we ought to be comforting each other with those words. Brothers and sisters, this ain't all there is. The Lord is coming back, and he's coming back soon. And I believe he's going to take his church, and so we'll ever be with the Lord. We ought to be encouraged by that. But Jesus said also, as he was speaking to his disciples, that there were certain signs Certain signs that you'll be able to see in preparation for my coming. We find these types of warnings, I think, all throughout Scripture. We can look back in the Old Testament prophecies. We can also look back in the New Testament. We see these warnings to look for what is called the signs of the time. Paul tells us in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, he says, But concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you, because they knew it. But he goes on, he says, for you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. For when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman. And they shall not escape. But you, brethren, you are not in darkness so that this day should overtake you as a thief. You are all sons of light and sons of day. You're not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. That's a life of expectation. That's a life of anticipation. No, I can't, I can't go to sleep yet. When our kids come from out of state and we know they're going to be in late, well, okay, dad usually goes to sleep, but mom, she, my wife, she's, she's staying up. She's anticipating, waiting for the grandkids to get there. That kind of anticipation, expectation, they'll be here at any moment. We read similar kind of warnings, not only in the Gospels as Jesus speaks to his disciples, but we also see it in the writings of Paul, the writings of Peter, the writings of James, the writings of John. We read statements like, the Lord is at hand, Paul writes in Philippians. The writer of Hebrews speaks about as you see the day approaching. James tells us that the coming of the Lord is at hand. And John in 1 John says, this is the last hour. Well, that was the last hour. I believe we're in the last minutes, maybe even the last seconds. And here Peter tells us the end of all things is at hand. And you and I, we need to be people today that are living in expectation. And also, we need to be alert to the events that are happening all around us. 
There's a lot of deep students and a lot of deep teachers that deal with prophecy that are really focused on end times prophecy. And I'm not necessarily one of those. I like reading their stuff. I like that they do all the hard work and then I can come and and glean from it. And one of those writers is a fellow by the name of Dr. R. Reagan. And Dr. Reagan has a ministry called Lions and Lambs Ministry. And he's done not only a lot of research, uh, biblical research, but also looking at world events. He was speaking at a conference uh, back in the 1990s, and one of the other men that was speaking at that conference at that time was a fellow by the name of Albert Peak. Now, Albert Peak was in his 80s, okay? So we're talking 1990, which is like 23 years ago, right? Somebody help me out here. Uh, 23 years ago, he was in his 80s. And Pastor uh, Peak was speaking at that conference as an 80-year-old. One of the things that he spoke during his presentation was this. He said 60 years ago, which would have been about the 1930s or so, from the 90s back to the 30s. You guys know I'm horrible at math, okay? So be gentle in your correction. He says, 60 years ago, when I first started preaching, You had to scratch around like a chicken to find one sign of the Lord's soon return. He paused for a moment, and then he added, But today, there are so many signs that I'm no longer looking for them. Instead, I'm listening for a sound, the sound of the trumpet, anxious anticipation. That was 20 years ago, you're speaking, over 20 years ago. And it seems to me, from the 1990s till today, there's more and more and more signs that are being demonstrated throughout all of the world. Now, Dr. Reagan, he reminds us that it was less than 100 years ago, less than 100 years ago, that there was not one single, tangible, measurable sign that indicated that we were living in the season of the Lord's return. He says that the first sign to appear was the Balfour Declaration that was issued by the British government on November 2nd, 1917. Now, to give you a little bit of history, the Balfour Declaration was put out just after World War I, and it divided up the territory of the Germans and also the Turkish empires, the Turkish empires, also known as the Ottoman empires. And in particular, the division of the Ottoman empires, there was a small slice of land that the Balfour Declaration then declared, you know what, this piece of land we are going to designate and delegate to the Jewish people. It's the piece of land that during the Roman occupation back in the first century, they called Palestine. But if you'll remember also historically in 72 AD, when the Romans overran and conquered completely the Jewish people, they destroyed Jerusalem, destroyed the temple. Then they dispersed the Jewish people all over the world. And from 72 AD until 1917, There was never even a hope that the Jewish people would ever have a land again. Therefore, all the prophecies that you would read, Old Testament and New Testament, did not make sense 
for nearly 2,000 years. Because though the Jewish religion was spread out around the land, there was no Israel, there was definitely no temple. But now things are starting to change. There's a, there's a new change in the air. And during that time, when, when the Balfour Declaration came out in 1917, is right at that same year that evangelical leaders around the world, suddenly their ears picked up. Whoa, wait a minute. The Jews are getting a country? Wait a minute, now some of these prophecies. Whoa, what about that prophecy that speaks about, I'll restore that land to you? Maybe that wasn't just speaking of, you know, uh, again, later on. Maybe that's speaking in reality. And so suddenly these evangelical leaders started getting excited. One of those was the evangelist F.B. Meyer, and he sent a letter out to other evangelical leaders within England. And in his letter, he writes this. He says, the signs of the times point toward the close of the time of the Gentiles. This is 1917. And he says, and the return of Jesus can be expected at any moment. At any moment. Expectation. Expectation. The return of Jesus expected at any moment. There's this growing wave then of Jewish refugees that started coming into Israel from all over the world, coming back to the land of their fathers coming back in preparation and to reestablish the state of Israel. From that point on through the establishment, actually, of the nation and the government of the nation in 1948, on through the very events that we see happening in today's world news, prophecy continues to unfold. And because there's so many biblical prophetic signs and passages that deal with these signs of the last times and the last days. Dr. Reagan, I, I like how he put uh, all of these in six different categories. And I want to take the opportunity this morning just to touch on those to help you again, hopefully stir in you once again that excitement that, wow, I do believe the Lord is coming again. I do believe that any day, I've been fed a line perhaps for years or I've lost my passion for the reality of his return. Hopefully today it'll restore that. And in restoring that, then even as Peter says to the church, then you might become more serious and watchful, not only in your prayers, but in your life. And when the Lord returns, will he find you prepared and ready? Will he find you again with your, with your lamps trimmed and ready for his turn, eagerly anticipating, expecting the return of your groom? Or will he find you literally asleep? Or will he find you again just thinking, oh, he'll never return. I can live my life whatever way that I want to. Beloved, the Lord is coming. And I believe that he's coming soon. One of the first categories that Dr. Reagan speaks about is national or natural disasters. Natural disasters. Here we draw from a passage, a multitude of passages, but one in particular, Luke chapter 21, verse 11. And the Lord here speaking to his disciples about those last days. He says, there'll be great earthquakes, and in various places there'll be plagues and famines, and there'll be terrors and great signs from heaven. Now you're going to probably stop and say, yeah, but we've always had those. We've always had earthquakes and volcanoes and famines and these all kinds of these natural catastrophes. But when Jesus said these things, he also said, 
but these are only the beginning of birth pangs. Okay, how many of you women here have had children? You, you bore children. Okay, a lot of women. You know how birth pangs are. They start out, oh, that was kind of, I don't know. I've just heard, okay. I don't, I don't want to get too, you know, descriptive here. Okay. They start out small, don't they? Yeah. But they grow not only in intensity, but they grow in regularity. And the husband's sitting there timing them. He'd say, oh, okay, that, that last one, that was five minutes ago. You know, so, uh, but they grow in intensity, they grow in regularity. And I believe in the same way, these last day signs are doing the same way. Reagan, in one of his articles, he writes that between October 1991 and November of 2004, okay, now this is kind of older information, but he said just within those 13 years and just within the United States. So let's just take the United States just for a moment. He says nine of the 10 largest insurance national disasters in history happened between 1991 and 2004. Nine of the largest 10. Between those same 13 years, nine of the 10 largest disasters as ranked by FEMA relief cost, the Federal Emergency Management Association. Again, uh, the, the cost that was involved there. He says also that five of the costliest hurricanes in history happened during those 13 years. And three of the four largest tornado swarms in history happened during those times. Now, you have to realize those statistics were only until November of 2004. And it dealt only with the United States. I want to take you for a moment beyond the shores of the United States and from 2004 on a little bit closer into our present time. November 2004 was the end of Dr. Reagan's statistics. But it was December 26th of 2004 that the Southeast Asia tsunami happened just one month later. And in that tsunami, there were over 230,000 people who perished, that lost their lives. 1.6 million plus people were displaced because of that. And then just eight months later, back here in the United States, Hurricane Katrina hit the southern United States. Hurricane Katrina is now to date the costliest hurricane that we've ever had in the United States. They say for it, $125 billion of damage was done through Katrina. Then in October of that same year, over in Pakistan, 30,000 souls lost their lives due to another earthquake. 2006, the next year, again, a, a difficult year for those that lived in Indonesia. Over 6,000 were killed and over 200,000 were displaced because of an earthquake that happened on May 27th. Then in June, a, a huge volcano erupts and a few days later, a flood kills over 200, only to be followed by, in July, another tsunami that took over 650 lives. All of that in the area of Indonesia. Then in 2007... It seemed to be the year for fires and floods. In January of 2007, 47 people died in major rainstorms that moved through all of Europe, brought flooding all over Europe. Open our 
Thanks for tuning in today for Pastor David Landry's verse-by-verse study through the book of 1 Peter here on The Open Word. We are glad we're able to bring you these teachings straight from God's Word, but we're even more glad you chose to spend time with us today. We love hearing from our listeners, so please give us a call if you have a moment. Our phone number here is 520-836-9676. That's 520-836-9676. Let us know, too, how we can be praying for you. Are you a part of a local church? Joining and actively getting involved in a local body of believers is a great way to grow in your faith. It's a place where you can learn about the power and love of the Savior and ask questions among other imperfect seeking people. You'll find support in times of need and be able to offer help to others in your own unique way. If you have yet to find a local church in your area, we'd encourage you to start looking today. And if you're in the Casa Grande area, Pastor David has a special invitation for you. Hey, thanks, Chris. You know, I'd like to personally invite you to join us here at Calvary Chapel of Casa Grande for a time of worship, fellowship, and studying the Word of God. We meet every Sunday at 9 o'clock and 11 o'clock in the morning, as well as Wednesday evening and Saturday evening at 6.30. You can find our address and directions by visiting theopenword.com and following the links to our church page. I look forward to meeting you in person and sharing this journey of faith with you. Thanks, Pastor David. Join us next time for another edition of The Open Word.